Yeah. Anywho, where are we right now? What time well, is it? I assume oh, we're about 30 seconds away from going live. All right, cool. Less than that. Less than that. I'll tell you in one second. Okay, we're live, guys. We all hey, what's live. up? <laughs> what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host, my co-host in all things law enforcement is with me tonight. What's up, Bill Cannon? Yo, what's going on, man? You believe we got this guy on the show? You know, you know who told me to get this guy? My son was at some place where you spoke. And oh, you really? were able to, yeah, I don't know where it was, but he heard you speak and he said, you should get this guy. So I said, my son's a smart kid. I said, hey, I'll get him. Well, you know, what do we got to do? He's got to be All right, so uh, let's introduce him. Uh, he's, a, he's a retired lieutenant from uh, Los Angeles Metro PD. Las Vegas. No, Las Vegas. Vegas. What did I say? I said Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, Las Vegas. Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. He's an author. Wait a minute. Where's my phone here? He's got, I don't know, how, how many books? He got four books? Four. Get to meet. How many? Four. Four, yeah, that's what I said. Four books. Uh, <laughs> he's a media personality. He's a, an expert in a, all things law enforcement. And also, he's an accomplished actor. He was in the movie Casino. He's got a, a Fool's Rush in. It's an honor to have you here, Randy Sutton. How are you feeling? I feel fantastic, man. Having a great thing. But you forgot to mention the most important thing that I do. And that is I'm the founder of The Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers, a charity that helps injured cops all over the country. That's, that's the most fantastic, man. That's, that's the most important thing that I do. We give you this hey, uh, Randy, just between me and you, uh, I knew that. I just wanted to make it a little, you know, a dramatic effect. I'm an actor yeah. too. <laughs> okay. He was going to so, play a drum roll before he said that. You know, and he just <laughs> stole his thunder. <laughs> so what are you up to over there? Where you, you're in Vegas right now? I'm in Vegas. It's a uh, it's a balmy 106 degrees today. I'm re I'm really ready for summer to be over, and uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of miserable here. But you know what? I'd rather be here than in uh, a lot of other places. Yeah, that's for sure. What got, is the what is the police climate now in Las Vegas? You know what? We uh, uh, except for the, the the horrible one night that we had here, where one of our officers was shot and, and paralyzed. Um, there has not been any really major protest or, or unrest here. It was uh, like one or two nights where there was some problems, uh, but nothing like, because, you know, I got to tell you, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police aren't going to let what what's taking place in Seattle and Portland and a bunch of other places it just ain't happening here in Vegas. You could you could say New York. We're disgraced by what what is happening and what has happened in New York. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your buddy De Blasio. He's a yeah. He's you a, know, you can't blame it on the cops. The cops are ready, willing, and able, and exactly. capable of taking the streets back. But you know, if you tie their hands behind their back, they can't do much. You know. Exactly. Yeah, uh, Randy. Since you mentioned De Blasio, you got a pretty cool shirt on. I'll ask you about that in a second. But I just want to point out, uh, Bill and I are both wearing these shirts tonight. It's the Thin Blue Line. There's an artist. He's a great artist. Um, he does a kind of sort of patriot art. Beautiful, beautiful, different flags and stuff like that. His name is Scott. Uh, how do you say the last name? Scott Lobato. Scott Lobato. 
And uh, what he did was very clever. He painted a, a, a blue line down the middle of Highland Boulevard in Staten Island. I uh, saw that. I saw that. Way to, uh, you know, show, uh, let's not defund the police, let's defend the police. Didn't they threaten to, didn't they threaten to arrest them? Yes, they did. Yeah. Well, they sent, them, they sent him a cease and desist letter. He's got a video about uh, the whole ordeal on his Instagram. He's a phenomenal artist. I had a chance to meet him. He's my new hero. And uh, I think these I think these shirts are so cool, by the way. But he's got other art that he has on the shirts and stuff like that. And uh, I, my only problem is my pecs are shredding it. They're ripping right through it. <laughs> so I just wanted to give him a shout out. And uh, tell us a little bit. Of, you know, you got a really cool... Um, is that your office there? That's that's where you take care of business. This is my 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 home studio where I I do uh, I have a radio show called Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, and then I have a uh, streaming television show on Life Zet, which is uh, called the Voice of American Law Enforcement, and then I do I'm a commentator for Fox and for um, uh, Court TV, and so when I do. Uh, a lot of my my media stuff. This is my background. I have a, a professional camera setup here. Well, you got that like uh, broadcaster's voice. We got like the New York street voice. Oh. Yo, hey, yo. <laughs> would you uh, would you mind taking us around and showing us uh, who you have on the wall behind you? Well, that would be me when I was a twenty year old cop. Uh huh. That's me as a younger cop. What did you do? Thirty years. I did a total of 34. 30, 34 years. I did. Uh, that's when I was a Princeton, New Jersey cop. I was in your neck of the woods. Oh, really? Wow. I spent 10 years as a cop there and then uh, got bored because it was a small town, you know, Princeton University. That's where the university is. And I got kind of bored. So I came out to Vegas, started my career all over again. As I had to go back as a rookie, go through the academy all over again. And then did 24 years with Las Vegas Metro. So totally. When you were in Princeton, when you were near the campus, could you smell the liberalism? Oh my God. <laughs> so listen, we're talking, this is in the 70s, right? That was my hometown. I grew up there. Um, but it it was as it was liberal then. It's like it was like Berkeley now. I mean, it was that it that back then. Yeah. So my let me put it this way. My, uh, my professional um, thought processes did not coincide with the administrations. Right. Also, is that, is that say it pretty good? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, so saw, I, had, um, I had to, I had to go where, where my, my job philosophy was welcomed and that was Las Vegas. And um, you became quite the cop over there. As a matter of fact, you were on the show cops. They featured you. And Cops Number. was a really big show back in the 80s and the 90s. And um, I, I watched it, a clip of it, and it was pretty cool because uh, they start off with you at the range and you're shooting right-handed first. And then all of a sudden you start going left-handed. And actually left-handed was actually stronger. Didn't even move at all. That's pretty impressive, I, I got to tell you. Well, uh, that was uh, anybody that wants to watch those old episodes, if they go to my website, which is randysuttonspeaks.com, all my episodes there is like 14 of them. Wow. That's awesome. So you were basically like the Ve uh, the Vegas cop guy. Whenever they came to Vegas, you were the guy. They yeah, I was, I was a, a officer on the show, yeah. 
That's pretty cool, man. What what year did you go on Vegas? Uh, the Vegas Police. Department? I joined Las Vegas in nineteen eighty six. That was post Elvis, right? Post Elvis, yeah. <laughs> Viva Las Vegas! <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> so, um, so how did you get into the acting then? I guess since you were there already and you were on Cops and you're being featured, why not go out and audition, right? Well, no, I, I had no intention. That everything everything that, that happened to me. And that, that, you know, I did other things happened out of happenstance. Um, so they were, I'd been on Cops and um, I get a call from a casting agent saying, hey, uh, there's going to be a movie filmed in Vegas and the director is looking for realism in the part of a police officer. Would you do an audition? I said, well, yeah, sure. I'd actually already been an actor. I was, I did a lot of stage acting. Um, when I was in Princeton, and uh, that was my hobby. And so I, I, wa I walked into the old Riviera Hotel. I had no idea what the movie was. I just figured it was the Lark, you know? And I walk into this suite, and who's standing there but Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese, and the film was Casino. And my don't, audience, you, don't you wish now that you would have punched him back then? He was such a gentleman back then. He was such yeah. a nice guy. Wait, 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 wait. Did they, let me ask you a question. Are you the guy they spit in your hamburger? No, I, no. My, my part was, uh, I, don't know, can you, I don't know if you can see that. No, we can't. My part was uh, at a domestic with uh, De Niro and, and Sharon Stone. Oh, yeah, I remember that scene. <laughs> so anyway, so my a my yes, fucking Sharon Stone. She's a big pain in the ass, that girl. Oh, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> no, I, I'm talking about in the movie. I don't know about real life. I'm just saying. Maybe I don't, don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. In the movie, she's a big pain in the ass. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so that's how I got the part, and then uh, from there, um, I, I got in the Screen Actors Guild, and then did. Uh, I've been doing movies ever since. I just filmed. Uh, uh, just filmed one that came out uh, earlier this year. Fantastic movie called Wishman, the true story about the man who created the Make a Wish Foundation, Frank Shankwitz, who, by the way, is on my board of directors for The Wounded Blue, and did 40 years as a police officer. Most wow. people don't know that the man who created Make a Wish was a cop when he created it. Oh, that's wow. amazing! It's amazing. You know, it's that's a beautiful. That's one of the biggest things. It's a great film. I urge anybody, everybody to watch it called Wishman. It's beautiful. Where, where can we find it? It's on the Netflix. Oh, I'll watch it. I'll watch it, I'll watch it tonight. It's great. It's a wonderful film. And I, and I got to tell you, Frank, um, he, uh, he's been part of my life since I retired. Uh, that's how I met him, was writing my last book. And he and I became very good friends. Um, he is a true, no bullshit, honest to God, American hero. And um, he's, I'm proud to call him a friend and that he's part of the Wounded Blue. Hey, uh, can we go back to the wall there? Cause you were gonna get to, to, is that your mom back behind you? That's my mother. My mother uh, um, was a medal winner in World War II. One of the few, she won the bronze star wow. for, uh, uh, yeah, she was, so she's buried next to my dad in Arlington. Uh, both of them were in, both of them were in the army, and, uh, and because my mother was a medal winner, she earned the uh, the honor of being buried in Arlington. 
Amazing. That's the, Bill, this is the opposite of uh, dipped in butter. That's right, man. He, this guy he actually knows, earned it. He earned family, it he's got a lineage. You know, we have, Randy, we have an expression in New York City Police Department for people that have easy jobs. We say, right. that, we say their balls were dipped in butter from day one, you know? <laughs> I like it. That's a good. I know, I know those people. Believe me, yeah, everyone knows them. You know, but, but you're like the opposite. Like you, you actually, your whole family. Like you earned it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, it's legit. And so what else? You and then you got uh, the 9/11 one over there. Can you see this? This one right? Yeah. The NYPD gave me that. Your guys gave me that because my first book was called True Blue, Police Stories by Those Who Have Lived Them. And I, and I did that book after um, the Trade Center was attacked and so many you know, officers lost their lives. I wanted to do something for the families of those officers. So I, uh, I put together um, True Blue, Police Stories by Those Who Have Lived Them, my stories, and I collected stories from cops from all over the country. The book sold very well. And I donated every penny of the royalties to the uh, Widows and Orphans Fund for the cops who were killed in 9-11. So you, your, your guys gave me that. That's great. Randy, you have a, a very impressive career. You're a very impressive guy. Well, humbled to have you on Police Off the Cover. Not that humbled, but more humbled a little bit. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you a question, though. Yeah. You talked about the guy who uh, started that organization, that he, and he was a cop for 40 years. We need more of those people right now because policing as a profession has taken such a hit, an, un an unwarranted hit. Absolutely. Someone has hijacked the narrative and made the cops the enemy. Yes. And, and the reality is we're not the enemy. We are the good guys, you know, and they'll find out as time goes on who the real enemy is. But we need the good people to come out of the woodwork and to support the police. You know, people with the money that can back us and could get the word out that the police aren't the bad guys. We're the good guys. Oh, it's an uphill battle right now, but I don't know if you're aware of this, but a Gallup poll just came out. In fact, I actually have it right here. I'm going to read this to you um, because this will uh, this will shock a bunch of people. Um, but uh, I'm not going to go through it. 81 Gallup poll. 81% of, um, here it is, 81% of people polled in communities of color want their police to stay there. They don't want them to be defunded. They don't want to be the police to leave. They want the police there. And that is the reality. 81%, which is a, which is a pretty damn high number. You know, uh, Randy, I think it's just these woke morons yeah. that think that, you know, it's groovy and cool to say defund the police. But these same people have never had a nine millimeter stuck in their face and had yeah. the guy on the other side of it say, give me your money. You know, once they do that, they'll be calling 911 and not, not expecting the violence interrupters to show up, but the real popo to show up. Well, I don't know if you're aware I'm sure you, you probably did look at it, that the, um, the Minneapolis Police Department chief just came out with a, with a letter to the public saying, um, cooperate with the, with, the, with the criminals, 
give them all your stuff if they ask for it. I, I saw that. I saw that. I almost didn't believe that was true. It was I know. It's, it's absolutely true. Yeah. I think they were in front of our house. What's that? I think they were in front of her house. They pro like they go to her house. No, 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 no. That was the Seattle police chief. Oh, Seattle. Yeah, they, that's uh, she's she's nervous. That lady. Well, if it weren't for her good neighbors, they probably would have would have torn her house down. Their her neighbors stopped the protesters from coming onto the street. But that's um, Carmen Best. I I I have very mixed feelings about her because um, she allowed the protesters and the anarchists to take over six blocks of her city. Yeah, that's horrendous. Then gave up the precinct. So I don't really have a whole lot of respect for her. Um, I understand that she's in career preservation state like many of these other chiefs uh, because their their bosses will fire them if they, uh, if they uh, actually do policing. But I can't help but, but but say this, that if, if you don't have the guts to, to do what needs to be done and allow your city to be overrun like that, I don't have a whole lot of respect for you as chief of police. No, you can't. But, you know, the problem is, especially in New York, we have a mayor that is probably the worst mayor in New York City history and a governor who is also a progressive Democrat who's siding with the rioters. So the police... Right. No matter what the police do, they're wrong. And the mayor asked them to have a soft touch during oh, yeah. riots. A yeah. soft they, touch. What is yeah. that? You know? They weren't asking. The, they weren't asking all the people attacking the NYPD guys with buckets of water and everything else. They weren't asking them to have a soft touch. But in order, when you try to defend yourself as a police officer, you're supposed to have a soft touch. And these new regulations that they have inflicted on the NYPD when it comes down to use of force is nothing short of criminal. What they, the limitations that they're putting on those police officers, they are going to cost officers lives because of their political correctness. You just let Bill loose. Go ahead, go get him, Bill. Well, I think what you're referring to is the diaphragm law, which is the most moronic law. And you can yep. tell that the city council, none of them has a law degree, or none of them has ever worked in policing before, or none of them has even been punched in the face before. I'll volunteer to go there and punch every single one of them in the face because they have no concept of reality. And all five unions in the NYPD have filed a lawsuit together against this diaphragm law, and they're going to reverse it. But at the same time, the governor signed the chokehold law, which is another ill thought of law because Look, no cop is purposely getting choking somebody. But if you get in a life and death fight, there should be no rules to what you can do. Article 35 of the penal law says if someone's using deadly force against you, you can use deadly force against them. Exactly. Right? So how do they make laws against this? And the government signs it. They've already charged a couple of your cops. They, they charge one, yeah, with the chokehold law. It's, 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 it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. But you know what? Your police commissioner, as far as I'm concerned, um, he's about useless, too. You know what they used to say, Randy? When you got promoted to sergeant, they took one ball. And when you got promoted to lieutenant, they took the second ball. Captain, you were a eunuch, 
and anything up for that, you had totally no penis. There was nothing left. You know what it is that a lot of these guys like to use that uh, the job to springboard to something else, and that hurts us because the police commissioner should be looking out for the cops. You know, well, and you, you know there, there is um there's a, a thing. You know, somebody brought up a good point about our um, our uh, street crime unit. And mm -hmm. they disbanded it. Yeah. But it was also because uh, the idea uh, one of our guests brought up was that he was actually looking out for his men because if they got found, you know, now that the laws are this, the, the way they are, these car stops could, each and every single one of them could come into question. All these, uh, these pat downs to get guns off the street could come into question. So, and, and I kind of sort of believe that, but um they this this it's a political thing and i think they should all unite and say listen you know we're going to stick together whoever gets fired the next guy comes up we'll we'll stick together on this but you could always get a job somewhere else you know what i'm saying everybody's aware of the political climate right now but these guys don't have to resign they retire both of them the pc has over 30 years and the chief of department is 37 years. But they want to go on to do something else. Though. Well, they're going to retire. They're going to get like a $20,000 a month pension. Just retire yeah. and do something else. You know? Like, don't have your balls shrivel up inside you. And, and you know, all your morals go because you want to keep your job. You know? Yeah, but that, yeah that's the thing. They're all scared of getting fired. And that's it, not... It, listen, it's always up to the administration. And right now, this... Uh, the sentiment against cops, we they use the cops as a diversion. You know what I'm saying? There's so much else going on behind the uh, the it's scene. Low hanging fruit, man. Cops are always the low hanging fruit. Blame it on the cops. It's always the cops' fault. And meanwhile, there's a whole other thing going on behind the scenes. You know, trying to uh, uh, push for power and all these things. Uh, there's an election coming up, so in the meantime, you're caught in the middle. And these 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 guys that are out there, man, they're getting you know every single night, uh, depending on where you work. You know, it's a it's like a war zone. You know, they're getting hit with stuff, and and yep. uh, if not that, they're getting you know just verbally abused, and um, you know, and they're using this as pawns. Exactly points right now in the middle caught in the middle of this stuff you know what i'm saying until uh, further notice until this election i know exactly what you're saying well you know randy if, if you were a cop now and you're on one of the scenes of these riots the, the worst thing i ever saw was the chicago police they were getting bombarded with fireworks frozen bottles of water throwing it at, and it was like why are they there if they're not allowed to enforce the law why are they there specifically to take incoming fire from these people? Is yeah, that why they're I there? So. I think so. You're there so they can vent and they can have somebody to beat up on. That's basically your job for the time being. <laughs> well, they, uh, they, were, they were literally marched upon by, um, by trained militia. Um, they, they were, there's no doubt in my mind, I watched the, I watched the the movement towards these officers who were basically defenseless. They weren't even equipped with, uh, with crowd control equipment. And, um, and the, these uh, Antifa punks literally had, had drilled. Um, they, were, they went in formation. They used umbrellas for shielding. 
they uh, they had uh, um, they deployed weapons. I mean, it was it it was really scary thing to see, and uh, and it was a Donnybrook man. A lot of cops got hurt. Well, then, but you know what? We we saw this in 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 Baltimore. The the officers were told to take their equipment off because it looked too military. Right, right. Uh, it happened in Louisville uh, just um, uh, a month ago, where the officers were were you'll either take your your helmet off or we're going to suspend you. This is during a riot, so we're seeing this all over the country. We're seeing we're seeing uh, um, the pussified leadership of police. Well, it is, it, it, it's country. like what I said. You're supposed to stand out there. And he's supposed to take a beating on behalf of the government and let people get their frustrations out. And, uh, you know, you got health insurance. Hopefully something bad won't really happen to you. Well, you know, my, my organization, all we do is work with injured and disabled officers. Tell us about the, repeat, repeat the name of it again and the, tell us about it from, you know, what's the mission statement? We are the Wounded Blue. We're the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and disabled law enforcement officers. Um, we, uh, our, our whole goal is to improve the lives of injured and disabled officers. We're, we're a national charitable organization. Um, I, have a, I have a team of, uh, of, of officers. Every one of my, my guys has been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up and screwed over. And these men and women work uh, with cops all over the country who have either been physically injured or psychologically injured because let's face it, we all know this, post-traumatic stress is as real as a bullet. Absolutely. And we, we work with, uh, with it. we've assisted more than 5,000 police officers in just the last 15 months that we have been in, um, that we've been in service. Um, and we Randy, have some- Randy, let me tell you something right now. You ready for this? You nailed it, man. That's your commercial right there. <laughs> that little bit that we just did right now, we're going to cut that chunk out for you. Give, that's your commercial right there. For he your wasn't even reading copy. Nailed it. I led you in and you, you hit a home run. Well, I got to tell you, man. Clear the I, bases. I've done a lot of things in my police career. This is the most important thing I've ever done. Uh, because they're, you know, you guys had it pretty good in New York. If you got, if you, if you got disabled, you were going to get 66.6% of your salary. I heard about that, right? Like $43,000 you guys get or something like that if you get hurt? We, it, the, the maximum that, uh, that in Las Vegas that you get, if you have less than five years on the job, you get no pension. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Ten years on the job, you get no pension. And if you get permanently disabled where you can't do anything, the most you can get is $44,000 a year. So what about this poor guy who got uh, shot during the riots? Paralyzed. Forty-four thousand dollars a year. That's crazy. That's Is crazy. there? Uh, there's. Uh, this has to be other stuff that you can file for, though. There is. A, there's a federal benefit. Um, the same benefit that if you get killed in the line of duty, your family can get that. Why but, is that though? You're in Vegas, man. That's like uh, you guys are progressive. You're in Vegas. And we're not the worst. I have a documentary film. I urge everybody to go to Amazon and look at the, and watch this film. It's called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. It, is, it will shock you to see how cops are treated around the country. One of the officers that's featured in this film, the lieutenant uh, from Oklahoma, 
And this, this film is really powerful. Okay, we also have a YouTube series called Voices of the Blue. If you go to YouTube and put in Wounded Blue TV, you'll see an amazing six-part series that, that, was, that was directed by a retired police officer that's amazing. I host it, so it's even more amazing. For <laughs> our documentary- He plugs himself. <laughs> our documentary film reveals things that, that literally you'll watch, even as cops, and you'll go, how the hell is that even happening? Imagine this, a police lieutenant in Oklahoma, guy, they get, first of all, they get paid so shitty anyway. He's a, he's a full-time police lieutenant in one town. He's a full-time police officer in another town. Just so he can feed his family, uh, you know, a, a, decent, a decent meal, right? So first of all, they get paid garbage. Then he's backing up another officer on a car stop, darked out SUV. This is all captured on video camera. As they walk up to approach, the car takes off. They get in pursuit. What they don't know is there are three hired killers in the car, armed to the teeth, on the way to kill a federal judge. Well, they're not getting taken down easy. So they're in pursuit. They open up, the bad guys open up with an AR-15 and hit the lieutenant right smack in the forehead. Bullet goes into his head. He loses consciousness. He crashes against a tree. He's got a traumatic brain injury. He's, 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 he's permanently disabled. They don't pay his medical bills for a year and a half. He loses everything until a, a news station does an expose on the fact that they didn't pay his medical bills. They didn't even give him a neurologist saying it was medically unnecessary. And then they fired him. Wow. As, as Congress makes $175,000 a year for a part-time job, it's yeah. the best health insurance on this earth, right? Where was this again? In Louisville? Oklahoma. 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 So when you when you see this documentary film, you're going to know why we created this organization. Listen, I didn't intend when I retired. Well, here's what happened to me. I didn't intend to retire. I had a stroke in my police car right on the Las Vegas Boulevard. Wow. It was the scariest thing that ever happened to me, and and it it it, it took my it took my career, um, almost took my life. Three weeks before I buried my mother in Arlington. Um, two months before that, I was involved in a fatal shooting. And uh, my department turned its back on me. Didn't pay my medical bills. Wow. Um, ruined my credit. Bill collectors are knocking on my door. They knew they had to. It's the law. They just didn't. Forced me to go to court to make them pay. Wow. Well, I found out the hard way. I never thought my own department would treat me like that. But you know what? This is happening all over America. And at least I had 24 years on so I could retire and I could live like a human being because we get paid pretty good out here. But a lot of these other agencies, so cops started contacting me because of my, my radio show, Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. And because of my visibility in the law enforcement community. Man, he slips, Mark, he slips these plugs in without even knowing. No, he's a pro, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we, we, just off tonight, he's got four commercials. Take tonight's show and slice it up. Hey, listen, hey, Ray, uh, Randy, if you cut me out and Bill, this is a great commercial. <laughs> <laughs>
So cops started contacting me from all over the country, telling me these, these heartbreaking tales about how they were treated once they were severely injured or disabled. And I, and I thought, okay, wait a minute, there's gotta be a resource for these men and women and found out that there was no national resource. So we created it and that's what the Wounded Blue You is. know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm thinking to myself, thank God, you know, the NYPD has enough money to take care of their people. Right, right. But then again, you know, during 9-11, um, they had to go to court and sue and yep. uh, the bill that uh, we all wound up, uh, what's the name of that, the bill? What, uh, John Stewart? Oh, there's a Droga bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, John Stewart was a big help with that. Yeah. But it wasn't until then until it was passed. So, you know, that's, you know, what you're talking about right now is like my idea about uh, privatizing policing. I think all these major cities have been planning this for a long time. And it's been happening, you know, subtly behind our backs. But that that's my idea about privatizing policing. And, the you know, we're talking about these catastrophic uh, medical expenses and how your department is supposed to pay for it. The reality is the, might not, uh, the money might not be there or the, the budget allocated or, or already spent. They might have, you know, you know how these people are. One for, you know, one for you, two for me. The, the number of officers who get tossed away and fired because the laws are shitty to protect them all around the country, uh, it'll shock you. Go see the documentary, The Wounded Blue. I really, honestly, well, you'll never... Randy, Randy, you mentioned before, or Mark mentioned before, about the New York City Police Department takes care of its members, but that's not really true. Without the unions, without each uh, rank no. having a union, the, oh, yeah. the city wouldn't do shit for you. It's Absolutely. the unions that force yeah. the city to do the right thing. And the, the yeah. unions that go to the state capitol and fight against these short-armed politicians right. and get them to do the right thing. Because especially now, uh, you know, Cuomo, the governor, he passes legislation in the middle of the night. So no one gets to see it or know what it's about. You know, right. he right. slipped the chokehold law. He slipped a lot of anti-Second Amendment laws in there. And, you know, the unions are the ones that do battle with these people. Without, and, you know, you hear the left, oh, these police unions are too powerful. Thank God we have police unions. Absolutely. Because or else we would, we would get what's called balls across the chin, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt about that. I agree with you 100%. 100%. But so you, have, you probably have um, a, a fairly substantial law enforcement audience here. So I want to let them know of something that um, my organization does for injured and disabled officers for free. We don't charge for anything, okay? Um, our, my peer team works. Uh, they, they put in unbelievable hours. Um, for, and nobody, there's no salaries. Everything goes into operations, okay? But we have something that we just created this, that's saving lives, saving careers, and saving marriages. And, it's, and, it, and we give this to any police officer who's been injured or disabled. It's called Code 4 Total Wellness. And this is amazing, okay? What we give, you get 24-hour day telemedicine with licensed MDs. You get uh, discounts for prescription drugs, x-rays, dental, all kinds of stuff. You get financial counseling and wellness. And most important, we have what's called CAPER, the Confidential Assistance Program for Emergency Responders. And this is amazing. 
unlimited visits with licensed psychologists specializing in post-traumatic stress for them and their family, unlimited visits. We give this to any injured or disabled officer. Anybody that's, that needs it, contact the woundedblue.org. We'll give it to you. That's fantastic. You know, that's what we, when we raise money, that's what we, that's what we do with our money. We pay for it. Now, also cops can get it for themselves or their families um, for, for 17 bucks a month, which is unbelievable. And now we're having, I actually, in the last week, and this is something that makes me feel really good because it tells me that there's hope. I've had two companies come to me and hear about this program and say, I want to get this program for my local police department. That's so crazy. this is, that's, that's, that is really tangible. That's people who care about their cops and want to do something for them. You know, so, Randy, I wanted to ask that question too. Yeah. What, what do we have to do as, as police, the profession, to get these millionaire donors to come back and make it cool again to back the police? Everyone is, you know, backing uh, Black Lives Matter, and yep. they're afraid to back the police now because right. they'll get this all, you know, they, they can use that one word that paralyzes conversation, and that's racist or racism. Yep. If someone calls you a racist or they use the word racism, all of a sudden people are like, oh, my God, oh, no, oh, no. But, you know, so we need the money. We need these people with the money to back up the police again because yeah. they're afraid to go in their pocket right now and say, I back the police. Yeah, no, listen, I, uh, we just had um, uh, a NASCAR driver uh, do their, their racing truck uh, up as uh, with the Wounded Blue logo and, and the Thin Blue Line said, support your police. They lost three major sponsors because they actually supported injured disabled cops. Can wow. you imagine that? That's crazy. Look, already yeah. I can't wear Nike sneakers. I will never eat Ben and Jerry's fucking ice cream. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of how many products I, I boycott just because oh, yeah. of I, I'll never watch a sports game again. No, I'm, I'm done with them too. Starbucks, Starbucks has gotten too many chances, you know? You know, here's, you want to hear, here, get this. Starbucks Corporation contacted me and, and came to visit me, some of their muckety bucks, to ask me, how can we improve, how can we improve relations with police? And I said, if you, I said, if you really want to have a conversation about that, I said, put me in a room with your top level people and we'll have that conversation. We'll get right back to you. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for that phone call. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's, there's so much bullshit out here. Um, but, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, I fully believe this, that the majority of Americans believe in and trust their police. But there are so many followers and people who are afraid to stand up and do the right thing and say the right thing that, that they're just being bowled over by these loudmouth Antifa punks and Black Lives Matter activists who care nothing about this country. And the only thing they want to do is make it a socialist country. They don't, they're not, they're, they are perfectly comfortable telling you exactly what they want to do. And that is to take over the criminal justice system, dismantle it, unleash the prisoners on society and, and create a, a Marxist socialist society. That's what their goal is. And they make no bones about it. 
Well, you know, Randy, it's funny. Mark and I, Mark is much better. Uh, he's a stand-up comic, much better than me. He's been doing it for 23 years. But we go around in the city, and we see these young comics. And they don't know what New York City was like in the 90s. They think, oh, I live in Bedford-Stuyvesant. I take the train home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, really, motherfucker? If you would have tried that in the 90s, you would have got home. You would have walked home nude, you know? You would have been mugged three times on the way to your house. But these little punks, they're so woke, you know, and they're like, it's going to happen again. They, they will, oh, yeah. you know right. what they say, the definition of a conservative is a liberal that just got mugged, you know, yeah. and they're going to experience that, you know, they're going to see what it's like to have a nine millimeter stuck in their face. And the guy say, give me the 20 bucks you just made at that stand up comedy show, you little yeah. punk, you know, and then they won't be so woke anymore. You know, uh, my friend that I grew up with is out there in Vegas. And, he, you know, uh, it's funny that you leave Astoria, you know, like, because you got to get out. And now he's a big shot over there. You know, he's involved in uh, the Raiders Stadium over there. He's got pictures with the the presidents and stuff. Tommy White. Do you, you know Tommy White? No. I don't know big people. I don't know big people here. <laughs> He's like the head of the concrete union over there, but he's my buddy, you know, my friend does. His nose, you got his nose is like this, you know? Well, well, sadly, you need to hook him up with me because he needs to step up. Well, yeah, well, I could. I could do that, definitely, because, you know, I was actually out there um, on his dime. He brought me out there to perform in front of uh, his union. And uh, it was a nice, it, you know, I did my, my show there, you know, an hour for them. and. Uh, it's probably one of the best uh, paid gigs that I, I've had, you know. In, in, it's great. Yeah. And then he brought me out to uh, to do the same thing in um, in Boston at the House of Blues. That was a little different. <laughs> he goes to me, he actually said that to me. He goes, this show is going to be a little different. And what happened was the drop, you know who the dropkick Murphys are? No. They no, have the Irish the Sam, the the Samuel Adams song, you know the beer Samuel Adams. I know the beer. Yeah, their song is like that's the Dropkick Murphys. Like they're all right, okay. So yeah, they're like a and so basically, I didn't I didn't know this. I wasn't gonna do my uh, I wasn't gonna be the headliner now. Now I was gonna be opening up for the Dropkick Murphys. And it's like two thousand people coming in there, and I had to do like a half hour, and there wasn't one person that listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Even my moves. girlfriend, she was there. She didn't even listen either. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was the most humbling experience that I've had. And uh, after that, I was bulletproof. If you could bomb in front of 2,000 people, man, you could do anything. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I actually, when I got off the stage, some guy, I was walking through the audience and somebody goes, hey, that was pretty good. I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Get away from me. If I, if I wanted to punch him in his fucking face, that was pretty good. You know, Randy, I wanted to ask you something. I was I listened to one of your podcasts, and the thing is, this whole anti-police movement, it didn't start last year. It didn't start the year before. It started, I think, during the previous administration, and especially in the Northwest, where we saw this whole Antifa group arise. And to me, the scariest thing, and even as an ex-cop, is when the government chooses not to protect their people. Yep. And that's that's real scary because that's the that's the biggest responsibility of government is to protect their people. 
And basically, government is saying now, you're on your own. And at the same time, they're trying to violate your Second Amendment rights. You know, so they don't even want you to have guns to protect yourself. Yep. I, listen, I think the whole thing was a bait. They wanted all these uh, these groups, they wanted to bait them into bringing the army and uh, heavy militia into uh, the states to use that against against them, the heavy hand. And he stayed away from it. Look at, uh, he waited them out over there in Seattle and they lost. Yep. You know, they were baiting them the whole time. And, and, and now you, you got, you know, you got egg on your face because you gave up your whole city. Crime is up. And now, now you don't know what the fuck to do. So you know, everybody's like, the, the only way we can get back to regular business is we need federal funding. Yeah. We need federal funding for what? Yeah. To build, to rebuild the federal building that you just fucking exploded? I know. It's, what the fuck are you talking about? It, it, it's, it, it would be funny if, if it weren't so serious. I wouldn't give them a dime. Not a dime. But you can't do that because they pay that, all that money is taxes anyway. It's their money. So you got to give it back. But yeah, but you see, Seattle, Seattle continuously reelects these progressive morons because that's their electorate. Yeah, they, I mean, why aren't they recalling that moron of a mayor, Ted Wheeler? Yeah. Why aren't they recalling the, the, the mayor of, uh, of Seattle who, who allowed it allowed six blocks to be taken over by Antifa. And uh, yeah, the summer of love. She said the I, summer I think, of love. Actually, that? Yeah, the I summer of love. Those, yeah. I, I think those keys were actually handed over. I don't think there was a fight at all for it. I think that was a negotiation. And it was a, it was a, it, it was a, that, I, I don't think they fought for that precinct at all. They didn't. No, they were told to, they were told to. They were I think told they to told them to clear out your stuff. Right. We're going to have to uh, move to another location. Yeah. And the same thing happened in Minneapolis. Uh, the same thing happened in uh, in Portland. And these poor people, you know, that you know, they're just working class, and they get caught up in this whole nonsense. Even in the uh, that six block radius, the chop zone over there, or Chaz, whatever it became. Yeah. Um, you know, you had you had people, the homeowners there. They had businesses there. That poor guy with the business that they caught oh, yeah. somebody Wait, in there doing like uh, fifty three thousand dollars worth of damage. Destroyed their livelihoods destroyed their businesses, and nobody talks about them at all. Because it's, it's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's anarchy. You know, it's about... Uh, That's exactly what it is. It's anarchy. It's just and about overthrowing. I, I hate to say this, guys, but I got another show to do. You do? Yeah, I got it. I have I have a, a television show I have to do. You don't know how happy I am to hear you say that. Because <laughs> <laughs> my girl just got here. <laughs> well, good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm no, but uh, be with your in, all, to talk to me. in all seriousness, though, this was great. And you, uh, I, I got to be honest with you, man. You, you unleashed. You gave us a whole bunch of great, great information. Um, we're going to try our best to push your your foundation there. I think you're doing wonderful work. And um, we're going to check out the Wounded Blue. Hey, wait a minute. I got another thing to pitch, too. Okay, go ahead. Our new coffee company, LawDogCoffee.com. Oh, I love it, man. He's even on the commodities exchange. <laughs> Law Dog Coffee tastes so good, ought to be illegal. <laughs> and, 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 and Law Dog Coffee is, is, is the sponsor of the Wounded Blue. So most of the money goes to the Wounded Blue. That's, That's why. That's fantastic. The coffee is the phenomenal. LawDogCoffee.com. 
Randy, you're going to have to come on again, though, in the future. I'd right? be happy to. Sure. Yeah. Anytime. You know, we're, we're, we're carrying on a site now called Inside Blue 360. That's actually part of the NYPD Sergeants Benevolent Association. Uh -huh. And it's the theory is we want to be the voice of law enforcement. Because when the press, these. You can't be the voice of law enforcement. I'm the voice of law enforcement. Okay, well, in New York City, we're going to be the voice of okay, law enforcement. Okay, all right, good enough. And we want to combat the narrative that the press is putting out, which is this anti police narrative, and show the public and everyone else that, no, we're telling the truth, we're the real deal. And most of the public wants us. 20% of these defund the police, they're not speaking for everybody. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Randy. Thank you so much. Nice to talk to you guys. Great guest, man. Anytime. Thank you so much. That's a deal. See you guys. Bye, already.